Whether you have been at Calvary for a long time or just a couple of weeks, it makes sense for us every couple of years to kick off our year with a couple of weeks of preaching through the mission of Calvary Church to help us get our minds around and grounded in the reality of why we're gathered here, what it is we're trying to do and where we're trying to go, in a sense, what is our purpose. So we're going to spend this week and next week looking at and spending time considering the mission statement of Calvary Church. And then, just so you can be forewarned, in two weeks we'll be launching into a series which will probably be long, it's not totally framed out yet, in the book of Genesis. So just so you'll know where we're headed, that's where we'll be. Our mission statement, which is written in the upper right-hand corner of your bulletin and should be on the screen behind me by now, is building a community in Christ to reach a community for Christ. That, in essence, in a sentence, is what we're about. The first thing I want you to appreciate, the first thing I want you to notice about our mission statement is the phrase, in Christ. It appears twice, and very purposefully it appears twice, both in the building of community and the reaching of community. And the reason that I want this to be the first thing we notice is because as we consider our mission statement, there are really two undergirding foundations to our mission. And I want to spend a couple of moments on that before we get to our mission statement. The first of them is this. We want to build our church around the person of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we gather, that Jesus is actually the focus of why we gather. So if you're new to Calvary, we want you to know that we are centrally about Jesus Christ. And therefore, we want our church services to be about Jesus. We want our children's ministry to be about Jesus. We want our student ministry to be about Jesus. We want our community groups to be about Jesus. And if at first here, you go, of course, you're a church. The subtle thing I want you to hear is, it's not about you. Okay? We don't gather to make you feel better about yourself. We gather to exclaim and express Jesus Christ. His supremacy supremacy, and His sufficiency. We want to be about Jesus. Because we believe Jesus is the only means of salvation. We believe Jesus is the only source of true hope. That He's the only giver of purpose. Therefore, we want everything to be about Him, pointing to Him, about knowing Him, following Him, and growing in Him. That's our first presupposition. That's our first foundation as a ministry, as a church. The other foundation that we want to be out there, that we stand on the Bible, that we stand on God's Word. That is why week after week we open God's Word. That's why we preach God's Word chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's not an accident that we keep coming back to books of the Bible. It's not because I'm bored. It's not like I, I can't plan better things. It's because we believe in teaching books of the Bible because they give us a better understanding of what God's Word in its entirety is trying to do for us. I read a quote recently. It takes the whole Bible to form a whole Christian. That's why we'll be in Genesis. It'll give us a, a foundation to everything we find in the New Testament. It's having an understanding, a worldview of where did we come from? Where did it all begin? Who is God? Why does any of that matter? Genesis will give us that foundation. We believe 
the Bible as the very words of God. And that they were given to us that we would know Him. That we would know His heart. That we would know His character. And that we would know His great plan for us. Because we believe that His Word will nourish our souls. That His Word will edify you. That His Word will shape you by calling you to repentance. That His Word will call you to holiness and His Word will send you out on a mission. That's why we don't preach Ben's big ideas undergirded by Bible verse. Just so we're clear about that, we believe God's Word has authority and we want to lean into its authority so it has authority over us. Succinctly, we would say that we believe that God has given us His inspired, inerrant, and authoritative Word. And therefore, we want to keep His Word as our authority. So, as Calvary Church built on a foundation of the person and work of Jesus Christ, through the lens of the Bible as the authority that God has given us to know Him and to know who He is and who we are in light of Him, we come back to our mission statement. Building a community in Christ to reach a community for Christ. So let's start in. Our first aim as a church is to build a community in Christ. That's where we're going to spend our time this week. We'll spend the next t- our time next week looking at the second half of the phrase. We want to build a community in Christ, which is to say it's our desire to see you built up. To see you specifically built up in Christ, and more specifically, built up in community in Christ. Now I want to show you what I mean, and I want to use the Scripture to do it, right? Because it's God's Word we're going to stand on. It's His authority we want to look at. So the Bible would call all of us as believers in Jesus Christ to grow up, to mature. This is what Paul writes to the church at Colossae. Colossians 1.28 Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's not to present you happy. It's not to present you comfortable. It's not to present you morally superior. It's not to present you ethically sufficient. It's to present you mature in Christ. Paul says, it's Jesus we proclaim and we warn. Perhaps a different English word we could substitute in here would be counsel. What Paul is getting them to is because of all the false teaching that exists, but all the things that point and say, Jesus is really this instead of this. Jesus is really that instead of this. Paul says, we warn you because there are spiritual traps that all of us could fall into. There are spiritual insufficiencies we could get caught up into. So Paul says, we warn you. And we instruct you, we teach you with all wisdom, with the full counsel of God's Word, Paul writes, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's our aim. That each and every soul in this room would know Him and would be pushed to maturity in Him. That was Paul's aim for believers to be mature. So let's talk about maturity for a moment. Because there's a part of maturing that involves just physically getting bigger. For example, I used to be three feet tall, and then I was four feet tall, and then I was five feet tall, and now I'm six feet tall. I matured. Is that what Paul is talking about here? I don't think so. 
there's also a part of maturity that gets to growing far beyond knowledge. That we have to have an understanding that maturity isn't just knowing things. For when I was a teenager, when I interacted with my parents, and my mom said, Ben, clean your room, and I didn't, was maturity going, but mom, I know my room needs to be cleaned. Was that sufficient? No. Knowing things is not a picture of maturity. It's rightly acting and processing on the things that you know in an ever-increasing fashion. Paul writes it this way to the book in, Philipp- in the book of Philippians. I want you to watch this because he grows it out for us. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, if you watch that verse carefully, you should see a progression. That when you get to know Jesus, when you come to know salvation, the first thing you receive is love. And on top of that love comes knowledge. But it's not just being loving and it's not just knowing things that matters. You are to progress on then to discernment. To be able to take the knowledge and rightly apply it so that you will approve what is excellent. You can look around and say, that's a good decision. That's a bad decision. This is a healthy way for me to move. This is not a healthy way for me to move. And you live that out. It's not just about knowing. It's about growing then in discernment and approving what is excellent. So, he pushes it all the way through. You might be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So that that knowledge built through discernment, built through seeing what is excellent, living that out, fleshes out in us in purity and blamelessness. That's maturing happening all along the way in the 10,000 areas and facets of our life. It's a great picture of maturity Paul gives us in Philippians. That we would grow to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. What Paul gives us is a picture that we'd be mature and that we'd become and grow out in our image in Jesus Christ. That we would be in fulfillment an image bearer. That we would bear Christ's image to the world. That's what he points out to us. That's maturity that Paul is trying to build into believers. That's the maturity that he's desiring that everyone would get to. Let's consider what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. First consideration, I want you to know we're going to work this backwards. The body of Christ. What Paul is specifically talking about is the church. You can find, almost used intermittently, body of Christ the church. You should know, by the way, the church in the book of Acts specifically, and most of the time in the New Testament, is not talking about a global body. It's talking about a specific location of the church. Hence, the church at Ephesus. Hence, the church at Colossae. Hence, the church at Corinth. God gives gifts to the body. 
so that, looking at the church, he can build up the church. So he can mature them. Do you see that? God gave the apostles, which is the very select group of men, most notably the disciples and the others who walked with Jesus. For the record, if you want to think that through, look in your New Testament. Most of these guys are the writings of the apostles. You are still being built up by the work of the apostles. And to that, God adds gifts. He adds the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. What God does is He puts gifted people in the local body of the local church for this purpose. Not to comfort you. Not to come alongside you and make you happy. Not to entertain you. But to equip you. The saints. That's you. You're the saints in this passage. You're the ones who are redeemed by the work of Jesus. It's to equip you to do the work of the ministry. It's to prepare you to do the work of the ministry. That's what it means, parenthetically, when Paul says, for the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Until we all. I like the word all. It involves all of us, doesn't it? Every single soul here. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Consider all that Paul says in verse 13. He says that we are all to stay at work until we all attain the unity of the faith. That is that all of us, every single soul in the room, uses its gift for the express purpose of all of us maturing so that we have the unity of the faith. That is that we are all unified together in Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Him. That we are so as a group together on the authority and the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ that literally everything else truly becomes secondary. That it doesn't matter our backgrounds. It doesn't matter our pasts. That God would build in His church a diverse group of people that the world will look at and say, how on earth do those people get along? How on earth do they have community? How do they have fellowship? And the answer would be Jesus Christ. That's why Paul points out in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, such that we attain maturity. Now your text says, Manhood. In Greek, it says manhood. You need to know that in almost every other language in the world, a male word is a gender neutral word. That's why most sororities are fraternities if you dig into them. A manhood is actually pointing you to a mature personhood. Don't feel like if you're a woman here, you're supposed to be growing a beard. I can't grow one well either. 
we're doing fine. He's pointing you to this picture of maturity that we're all supposed to grow up into. And it's not just a small maturity. It's the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He pushes you all the way through and all the way out to this picture of Jesus. To the stature of the fullness of Jesus. That's the maturity that all of us are supposed to be working at together, using our gifts together to see to it that we all attain. So that in verse 14, we would no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. God gives gifts to the church or rather, God gives people with gifts to the church. By the way, if you've got gifts and you're not using them, we need them. Why? So that we'll all be grown up in maturity. That's, that's the picture of the body of Christ. All of us using all of our gifts so that we'd be built up, that we would be mature, knowing in full the salvation that we have in Christ knowing in full the sufficiency of the salvation that we have in Christ so that we wouldn't be children. Rather, we would make our stand. Friends, if you pay attention to the text, and we should, because the Bible's at our foundation, you should note that none of the passages above, nothing we've touched yet, has been talked about singularly. Which is to say that it's not about you individually growing or you individually maturing or about your personal walk. That's a heresy of the common era. They're about God's people and community being built up. That we are to be built up in community. That's the picture you see over and over again in the New Testament. Consider what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians in the third chapter, his second prayer. By the way, I'm giving it all to you because it's all one Greek sentence. I'm going to read it to you slowly. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit and his inner being. He's praying that you'll be grown up in this, that you'll be strengthened in this. Now, this is where I want you to lean in and listen more carefully. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints... It's not you to have the strength on your own. It's not you in your happy little closet. It's not you in your Bible alone on the beach. It's that you'd have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What Paul is praying for here is that you won't be given strength alone that will be given to us in community, that we'd be able to comprehend this together. And the idea really is that you will not be able to comprehend the full total love of God if you're doing it by yourself. you got to do it in community. Allow me to be a little playful with you for a moment. 
There's a website online called YouVersion. It's a helpful website. It allows you to take multiple versions of the Bible and line them up next to each other. You want to know what the NIV says, the ESV, the NAS, the message, you want to know all, you can go there, it points it out. Well, a seminary friend of mine, a guy named John Dyer, built a shell, let me get a little technical, that sits on top of you version and, and allows it, rather when you see the word you, to distinguish you singular from you plural. What John has calls his version the y'all version. Now, you can find it online as yallversion.com. You would want to know that there is a plug-in if you want to change it to the upper Midwest and have a you guys version. It exists. Or you want to go Chicago and get the use, use guys version. There was even a hillbilly usins for a while. But what it does is it allows us to see that the you is plural, not singular. So I'm going to show you the y'all version. Now, this is translated by every measure according to the ESV, according to the Bible, hold it in your hand with one distinction. When it comes to a you plural, it turns into a y'all. Verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant y'all to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in y'all's inner being, so that Christ may dwell in y'all's hearts through faith, that y'all being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that y'all may be filled with the fullness of God. Do you see the communal theme in the Bible? That you're to be built up in community. I heartily recommend at some point you play with the y'all version on the bu- on your computer sometime. Because it gives us that distinction. A limitation in English is that you, singular, and you, plural, looks the same, and you've got to understand the distinctions. Most of the commands in the Bible are in a plural form that get to a y'all, or a you guys. It's about us. It's about us being built up in community. It's not about us individually. So according to Ephesians 3, according to this passage, you will, you singularly, will not understand the full love that God has for you singularly until you begin to work it out with all the saints. That's what verse 18 says. Friends, I put this before you because I want you to have a great picture that the New Testament paints for us that Christianity, in essence, is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. It's not the sum of all individuals. That we are one body. The text would point to that over and over and over and over and over again. That if you approach this as an individual sport, if you think you're playing tennis for Jesus, you're missing most of the New Testament. Help this be even more obvious to you. The New Testament includes 59 one another passages, which you cannot do alone. Listen to what the Bible commands to us. John 13.34 and John 15.12 say, Love one another. That's not a cheap love. 
Romans 12.10, outdo one another in showing honor. Would you believe that that's for all of us to practice with all of us? It's not just your spouse. It's not just the person you're interested in. It's not just your neighbor. It's all of us practicing these things to all of us. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12.16. Comfort and agree with one another, 2 Corinthians 13.11. Serve one another, John thirteen one through twenty, Galatians five thirteen. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians six two. How on earth do you bear somebody's burdens unless you're walking with them? This is a command. You literally cannot bear somebody else's burdens if you're not walking with them. Point: You're being disobedient, walking as an individual. Forgive one another. Why? Because walking that close to people is really hard and it's really messy. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5.21. Be honest with one another, Colossians 3.9. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Confess to one another, James 5.16. Pray for one another, James 5.16. You cannot accomplish any of these by yourself. In fact... They were all given to be practiced in a community of believers. Why? Because they're going to cause you to grow up. They're going to mature you by the means of the community. You know, there's an essence in here where some of us have been bound, we've been challenged to not want to get into community because we're like, it's messy over there. I'm going to get hurt. Absolutely. That's the point. God moves you into community so that you can sin against one another. Enjoy. That, that, that's kind of the great hope that, because that's what matures us. That's what allows us to learn to forgive one another. That's what grows us up in maturity. That we go through hard things like, ah, I don't like that guy. I gotta love him. And in that process, it's gonna grow some things in me. And in process, we are going to reveal more about Jesus Christ and about what we believe about Jesus Christ when we do it. Over and over again, the New Testament calls us into this community where you're let down and you're hurt and you're sinned against so that you can carry one another, love one another, honor one another, forgive one another, build one another up so that we'd all grow up into this maturity. There is literally is no other means to grow you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ than living in community. Friends, the first part of the mission of our church could not be spelled out more clearly in the New Testament. That we're to be built up in community. And in community, into the fullness of our identity in Christ. To that end, I would fully encourage you to join a community group when they kick off next week. There's nothing magical about community groups. I remember when we started them, somebody said, well, I went to one, there was nothing special about it. There's nothing special about it. You go the first week and you might walk away going, that didn't change my life. Of course it didn't. Don't go for a week. Go for like six years. 
And, and I promise you, if you'll take the investment to move into community with believers, it will be really challenging. And it'll be really hard and weird and awkward at times. And it'll really grow you up to the full measure of Christ. It's an opportunity to love one another. It's an opportunity to show love, to, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another, to serve one another, to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to submit to one another, to be honest with one another, to encourage one another, to confess one another, to pray. In short, it's an opportunity for you to be obedient to all that the New Testament would put before you. Are there other means? Sure. This is the one our church is pushing us towards. I don't think you're unfaithful. I don't think you're a bad human if you don't. I'm just saying it gets a whole lot easier to live out all the New Testament has for you if you move into community. And you live and you walk in community. Our mission statement. Building up a community in Christ. We want to see all of us built up in maturity. The only way to do that is in community. We want to see every soul in this room built up in the community in Christ. Next week, we'll lean into the second half because it's not about us just being a happy, warm, fuzzy community. It's about us reaching the ends of the earth. Therefore, we will reach a community for Christ. We'll dig into the back half of that next week. Let me pray for us. Father, you did not create us to be alone. In fact, you looked at the only guy and said, it's not good for this guy to be alone. You created woman. Father, it is our desire, it's fact, it's part of our sin nature to try to individualize ourselves. To try to take things on. It's our pride that makes us feel like we can handle it on our own. Father, I pray that you would strip that away from us. That you would show within us the need to be in community. The need for us to be obedient to your word. The need for us to be obedient and living out all of these one another commandments which cannot be lived out alone. And that you'd give us a great biblical view of being built up in community. That you would grow us and that you would mature us to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Father, we trust that you are at work and that you're going to use this church as you have for 136 years, believing that our best years are still far ahead of us. Father, thank you that you are at work and thank you that you are building a community in Christ to reach a community for Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray.